Hey, what is up, podcast? This is Ethan Scott. Welcome to episode one of Backstage Pass with Ethan Scott. Um, Pretty much this podcast is just, if you're a musician or if you're anybody that's wanting to kind of make it into the music world, we're going to be interviewing some of the world's greatest um, people in the music industry uh, just to learn from. And so today I am so excited to have Mr. Brian Frazier Moore as my guest. Brian, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great and great. Today is a great day. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Oh my gosh. So I think the biggest thing, you're kind of coming into um, a lot more uh, attention and even coming off of kind of the Super Bowl high. So this is your third Super Bowl. Can you kind of tell us what was that whole, I guess, when did you know that you were playing the Super Bowl? What is it even like? Like there are so few people in this world that can relate to you on playing a Super Bowl at all. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. tell us kind of what that process looks like from the back end. Well, basically, I mean, it's pretty simple and straightforward. Um, We're performing music. So, you know, I get a call from a musical director, uh, done done three at the moment. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, the musical director will give me a call and say, hey, this artist is doing the Super Bowl. And they, they all try to be cool saying it. You know, but I know they're super excited because <laughs> <laughs> I'll be excited like when I hear it. But uh, so they say, you know, we're doing the Super Bowl. And uh, most of the time they say, we just want to know if you're available and you're down. And uh, I say, of course, I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> no, I have a coffee that day. Sorry. Can't make it. Right, right. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm walking the dog. No, so I'm super excited uh, about the phone call. I get the phone call and then. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, they'll get back to me with more detailed information when, where, um, you know, how much, yeah. um, and all, all of that good stuff. So, for so pe- it's pretty straightforward. Like, it's like a, like a gig, getting called for a gig, yeah. basically. So for people that just now know you because of the Super Bowl, can you kind of give us, outside of this most previous Super Bowl performance, can you kind of, I know you're not the guy that like, you know, is going to show up and just like flaunt all of your career exploits, but for the people that don't know you that well, what are kind of some of your like career highlights? Who are some of the people that you've played with? Um, Well, I'm grateful, first and foremost. Uh, Anyone that doesn't know me uh, knows I'm very humble. Um, I'm very gracious for these opportunities and I'm a Christian guy. I grew up in church, so mm-hmm. no offense to any other religion, but, uh, basically I thank God for these opportunities. So, uh, that's first and foremost, but he has blessed me to be able to work with, um, a host of, of artists and not just a whole, uh, not just the artists, but the particular time mm-hmm. where music was when the artists come out, like, uh, some of my earlier work, like Aaliyah and Genuine, uh, which I went on tour with them, was the same tour of Budweiser wow. Superfest. I think it was 96 or something like that. <laughs> 96. Um, yeah, yeah. I graduated high school at 90. Uh, that, wow. But that's even something else. Anyway, so uh, like Aaliyah, Genuine, Babyface, uh, Christina Aguilera, mm-hmm. uh, Janet Jackson. Um, geez, I have to look. Um, let's see, Backstreet Boys, Ooh. Justin Timberlake, uh, uh, Sierra, uh, Jesus, Eric Benet, that's Eric Benet, Eric Benet. Uh, basically, the point is that I'm really gracious, yeah. you know, for for being able to have a career. Thus, 
I am the way that I am, mm-hmm. wanting to give back and help people and just just talk. I wish I had somebody when I was coming up. I mean, I had certain people, but we were all trying to make yeah. it um, into the industry. But I wish I had people that were that knows what that whole thing is about that I could just talk to and get, get an idea. So I'm really grateful. So before we start getting into kind of your your story up, I have some questions, uh, two questions really good from social media that I have some people that I wanted to ask you. So the first okay. thing is probably talking about this um, this last Sunday Super Bowl. Uh, what are your impressions of the performers and celebrities that you've met during the Super Bowl performance? Like, did you get um, to like meet Shakira and Jennifer Lopez is probably what they're getting at. And what were they like? Right, right. Well, uh, basically, I've, I, it, when you're talking about the Super Bowl, you're talking about a huge production, mm-hmm. talking about uh, separate rehearsals. So me personally, I know some of the other guys that I, I didn't get a chance to meet J-Lo, uh, mm-hmm. but it was really, really hectic um, time, you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. uh, Shakira had a little interaction with her just as far as uh, drums and what she wanted to do. Uh, with that so uh, that was that was basically it and yeah and just so you know for me that's a little different because my other two Super Bowls that I've um that I've done uh is artists that I actually toured with yeah that makes sense uh, yeah so this was kind of a different you know situation and I always try to go into situations open-minded and just really stay in focus and get get my job done uh, which is what I did on this on this particular one, but the other two were Madonna and Justin, and you know that was very personable. We spent a lot yeah. of time together. Cool. Uh, and I guess was it the same with like the performers? Like, did you already know a lot of your other, like the other musicians that were playing it whenever you went in? Oh yeah. So uh, Adam Blackstone is the musical director, and if anyone follows music. For yeah. what the last fifteen twenty yeah. years, you you, <laughs> you know everywhere. who Adam Black. Yeah, you know who he is. So we work together a lot, and and above work, that's my brother, man. Like, yeah, you know that's that's I love him. I love his family. I love my nephew, little Adam. You know what I mean? Like we <laughs> yeah. like family. Um. So so yeah. So Adam Blackstone, uh, is is pretty much the guy that headed the whole thing. So he picked the band. Some guys I know from Philly, you know, Chris Farr, uh, great saxophone and flutist, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dante Winslow, he played in, in the yep. Justin Timberlake band, and that's like my brother, like family, same thing. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like T. Vaughn, he played cheese with Justin yep. Timberlake. Um, then we had uh, uh, Omar Edwards, musical director for Jay-Z. Wow. Rihanna. And uh, it was, it was, you know, I'm, I don't brag or anything or want to boast or anything, but it was a nice group of cats yeah. to be able to play something like that with. So I knew most of those guys, even, even the vocalists, you know, we all worked together before. So it was like family. That's awesome. Uh, so next question from social media. Um, it just says natural talent versus hard work. I think what they're getting at is like, what percent of maybe not even a musician's success or a singer's success, but I guess a person's success, do you think natural talent has versus just putting in the hours and putting in the grind? Well, I I, I look at it like a, a pot of gumbo, right? Mm-hmm. So 
I can have all vegetables in my gumbo. That's a terrible gumbo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. You need you need some sausage. You need some some beef, some pork, <laughs> and, and then the gravy got to be right. Yep. So my my reason for saying all of this is all of it is important because there will be times where you would need sixty percent of hard work, thirty percent of the other thing, or vice versa. Yep. You know, so these situations in the music business, I believe for those who are successful, um, are pioneers. We we all have them, whether it's Quincy Jones, whether it's Frank Sinatra, whatever, may, whoever it may be. These guys had to have complete, the complete array mm-hmm. of all of it. And then sometimes more that they learned along the way. <laughs> yeah. So I say just be the best in everything, every part of, of the music industry, if that's what you're looking to do, because some days it might be your personality. So a short story, uh, I remember my first my first uh, rehearsal with Madonna. I'm paranoid, bro. So I walk into the room. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like five band members, you know, mm-hmm. and then there's her. And I'm paranoid. I'm like, yo, that's Madonna, bro. <laughs> Like, (laughs) what am I going to talk about with Madonna? You know, anyway, so um, she was very savvy. Everyone knows very savvy, up to date on politics and social awareness and Mm -hmm. things like that. And uh, and so she was she was talking about that uh, one particular day. And I was just listening. I was just quiet. I'm just quiet. Mm -hmm. And I remember the situation. uh, We got word that the band needed to loosen up. You know a little because she felt like she felt the air was stiff. Yeah, this has nothing to do with my talent. This has nothing to do with hard work. Yeah, this just has everything on being a personable person, and that, my friend, in my opinion, my humble opinion, is what makes the great great. Hmm. That that personality. That personality will make you want to be around somebody. That personality will make you trust that person so how did more you, than the other. How did you get over, like you said, you were like so, ner- like maybe nervous isn't the right word, but kind of just like, oh, like what you said, like that's Madonna. <laughs> like what do I talk about with Madonna in the room? Yeah. How, how, did you, the, how did you get over that like mental hurdle, like the kind of the being, not that you weren't personable, but kind of like the maybe starstruck or you know, how did you how did you learn to be more personable around kind of these big names and these other like musicians in the group? I'm gonna be honest. I'm not gonna give you any cliche that says, Oh, just believe in yourself and everything's <laughs> yeah. gonna be all right. Respect. <laughs> I respect that. Right. So I am in the room with her. I am in the room with her. Mm-hmm. I am in the room with her. Hey, I'm in the room with her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the moral of the story is knowing who you are and being who you are 100%, even in those situations where you're frightened, starstruck, nervous, whatever you want to call it, being yourself 100% and letting people see you and feel you and feel your spirit and your kindness and how you listen to them and how you speak, that, that's all you can do in an amazing way because you are you. Yeah. I'm me. So whatever, bringing the cliche in, just be confident in who <laughs> yeah. you are. You know what I'm saying? That's good. Yeah. All right, so with all this stuff, let's take it all the way back to the beginning. So tell me okay. kind of where were you born, 
Did you grow up there? What was it like kind of in your town? Like, what was your childhood like? Philly. Philly. <laughs> I'm a Philly guy, man. All day. I live in L.A. now. But my, my Philly friends be like, man, don't turn to L.A. They're like, I'm Philly, bro. So you grew up in Philly? I was born and raised in Philadelphia. I, my whole childhood, which was a huge part of my music, uh, setting setting the bars for music. I, I played at, at a church. Mm-hmm. I grew up in church. I'm five years old, sitting on the on the front bench on time because yep. that's the only way that the organist would pick <laughs> the drummer. If you if you was late, you wasn't going to get that's picked. So good. That's that's Al Ingram, Alexander Ingram. That, that's my OG. So anyway, I'm five years old, sitting there playing for services, going to midnight musicals. I'm like six or seven years old, and the musical started at 12 a.m. I'm sleepy. I got to yep. get up and play drums. You know, it's just what it was. And the music that my mother and father instilled in me, the Winans, B.J. Thomas, Amy Grant was my first concert, bro. Wow. <laughs> like, amazing. I remember that. That I, I mean, uh, so anyway, my upbringing was enriched and involved. Uh, all of the, the amazing musicians that were in Philadelphia, Little John Roberts, Anthony Spike McCray, Garfield Williams, Defloe Davis, like all of these guys were pioneer drummers to me. Yeah. And and that's just my childhood, all the way up to maybe maybe twenty one. Twenty one, somewhere around there, which is when I went on the road. Yep. So whenever you were a kid, um, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like it was drums like always kind of like the the thing, like since you were little? Since I was little. From the gate, I always wanted to play drums. I didn't know why or the benefits that it could turn into, but I I knew I wanted to play drums. Yep. So what was your? So you mentioned your mom and dad kind of instilling that um, that passion in you and helping you along. Like, so what was your family dynamic like? Like, what were your parents like? How many siblings did you had? So I have two brothers. They're twins, James and Jerry. Um, we, my, my brothers were raised by, uh, you know, just not to get too personal, yeah. but my biological father, they were raised by him. Mm-hmm. My mother got remarried. So Terrence Moore, that's my dad. That's what I know. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So they were, they grew up with him and we just, uh, recently like rekindled. That's awesome. Maybe four maybe three, four years ago, man. It's been great, man, like with my brothers. But for the most part, I grew up with my father, Terrence, and my, my mother, which were, my dad was a preacher and a guitar player at the church. That's awesome. My mother sang on the choir and was on the usher board. So I was always heavily involved in church. Music was always around me. We used to skip school so we could have concerts, tie trivet, and all of them used to come over to the house and we set up a whole band. We sort of be in school. You know what I'm saying? It's amazing, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it was like <laughs> we knew boys the men getting further along the food chain. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like And they come over to your house. Guy. Well, Jazzy Jeff, we used to go to his studio. So Jeff had this thing back in town. He knew it. Everyone knew. <laughs> there were amazing musicians. And so he would open his studio, touch of jazz, and we would do all day jam session recording. Wow. People would just come in, like, 
Andre and Vidal, the writing partners, they would come in, play some, get on cheese, get on cowbell, whatever, in two <laughs> different rooms, simultaneously, two different rooms yeah. recording. Um, then there was Philly International under James Poyser that moved on in my life as well. This is all during Philadelphia, where I got a chance to be around Gamble and Huff every day. You know, and, and Bunny Sigler. Yeah. And Billy Paul is walking down the hall. I'm like, yo, that's the <laughs> Mrs. Jones boy, yo. Like, you know what I'm saying? Bunny Sigler and all of these guys. So this was all a part. Then we had a little jazz band, which we used to play. We used to play Chick Corea. Yes. Uh, covers like the compositions and and then I would go to the studio and I would play at the clubs at the milk bar and the fast bar basically what I'm saying to people if you get anything from what I'm saying you want to be successful in the world you got to take over your hometown and take over meaning not be the best take over meaning people are familiar with you yeah they, they're familiar because that gives you opportunities. So if 10 people are familiar with you, oh, yeah, I know Brian. Oh, yeah, good guy. Oh, yeah, I know Brian. Yeah, he's coming. He's a hard worker. Yeah, I know Brian. You mm-hmm. get that. You get that circulating, boy. You might. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? So that is is the spawn of my growth in Philadelphia and, and the different areas that it gave me from about 5 to t- about 21. Mm-hmm. So from that 5 to 21, kind of you mentioned like playing all these gigs, going over to uh, Jazzy Jeff's studio. But like, so your high school years, like was was most of your high school years, like were you like more of like a school guy, like sports guy, or was it like get out of school as no, fast no. as possible to go play music? Listen, when I tell you from 5 to 21, all of those things, <laughs> church, <laughs> church, <laughs> playing at the clubs, being in the studios with Larry Go. My, one of my best friends was James Poyser, amazing artist, writer. He's on the Jimmy yeah. Like, he's an icon in, in music. That was one of my brothers. Wow. He, he, like, brothers. So he brought me around to the studios. He was working with Larry Go. He said, hey, come around. I said, I'll come around. Can I play? No, you can't play. Just go get, me, yep. go get us some coffee and pizza. <laughs> and I'm go. like... Why, bro? I want to play. I know you. I know you believe that I'm good. So come around this week. We got music soul child in the studio. All right, cool. I'm gonna come through. Yo, can I get on this track? No, we got drums already. But listen, can you go down and let um, Jazzy Jeff in the studio, please? Bro, I could not understand it. It it was nerve wracking. But this is what I say to people: I didn't realize the knowledge that I was getting just yeah. by being around. I really did, and and it came back to how. So, long story short, I was everywhere from. So my high school years were the same thing. There, there was a jazz band at the school that never knew I played drums in my high school. They, they <laughs> like never you just ghosted them. Never I even go to school, and they never even knew until the school teacher heard me, and he and he says, "Man." Why didn't you put him in a band? I wasn't even in band in school. I don't have formal training on, yep. on reading notes. That's things I had to learn along my my journey, you know, marching band or anything. So that was my life, man. I'm a church guy. And then, then I tried to vamp out to other things in the city. So do you remember your first, like the first time that you like, 
So like the church gig or whatever, the first time that you like got paid to play on a gig. Oh my God. Yes. Tell me about that. Yes. So this group, I, I guarantee you probably never heard of this group. Maybe be honest. Uh, this group called the Whitehead Brothers. Okay. And the Whitehead Brothers were the sons of McFadden and Whitehead. Ain't no stopping this yeah. <laughs> That's that's their sons. I'm a terrible singer. That's their sons. And so they had a group. They had a little hit. So they said, "Yeah, we we gotta go. We gotta go go on tour, and and and, and we gonna we gonna go around the world." And I was like, "Ah, oh, yo, this is it." This yep. is what I've been waiting for. I remember the dollar amount. It was $700 a week. That's good. Right? $700 a week. That's that's not including taxes. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so I was hyped. Yep. I, I took, took the $700. Now, a little side story. Shout out to Gerald Hayward, um, a legend. He, so Gerald this Hayward. band was, yes, Gerald Hayward. That's my dude. So um, th- this band that I was playing with was opening for for Black Street. I don't know if you remember yep. Black yes. Street, Teddy <laughs> Riley, right? So yep. we finished we, the first show we did together. We was in London at the Hammersmith. I never forget this. And so we played our show. We played our little twenty minute set. Yep. And we we got off stage. We was like, ah, we just killed. Yep. You guys hype. Oh, we just murder. What they gonna do with that? What you gonna do with that? <laughs> Philly in the awesome. house. Philly in the house, right? <laughs> All of that stupid stuff, right? So you gotta have bro, it though. You I gotta, re- you gotta do it, right? So I remember Black Street is about to go on, and that curtain opened, bro. And the sound that came off of that stage changed my life hmm. instantly, uh, bro. The way Joe Hayward was playing that show. And his drum sounds, an electronic pad. Yeah, I said, "Oh no, 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 <laughs> my, no, no!" But I say that because this this was all a part of my process. And mm-hmm. I don't know if people think uh, whoever they look at is successful if they think they just jump and just become successful because they're talented. That's yeah. not the story in anyone's success story none nobody probably not even jesus christ okay like nobody (laughs) nobody so i encourage people it's a process and just keep 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 yourself open you know and something you might not want to hear now but it'll definitely help you if if you're trying to be in it for the long run so did you get to talk to gerald after after the show Oh, I t- yes. I told him then, and I tell him all the time. <laughs> if you, if anybody sees Joe Hayward, ask him. Did Brian ever tell you about that that show? He's gonna be like, <laughs> Yeah, he told me quite a few times. That mess, bro. That that was the biggest life changer. Shout out to Joe Hayward. That was the biggest life changer to see. My drums sounded thin, bro. My drums was thin. Yeah, they had nobody. I didn't know how to tune them. I didn't know that playing a show just doesn't mean jump on the drums and just play. It's your drum sounds and how they coming out those that PA. Anyway, yeah. Shout out to Joe. Yeah, he's a beast. <laughs> yeah. So you're playing with the Whitehead Brothers. So after that kind of tour ends, like how? 
what did the process look like look like after that? Like, who did you end up getting on with after that? And kind of where was the headspace at for you? Uh, this is the great part. This is the big misconception, probably the biggest misconception people have of me. So it was nothing. I came home off that tour. I spent all my money because I had never been to London before. <laughs> yeah. So I came home, I was broke. And so I had to go back to the clubs. And I had to go back to the churches. And I had to play around clubs and play around clubs. And then my next opportunity came up from Johnny Croom. Now, there are key people in my life that believed in me and gave me an opportunity. And Johnny Croom, I credit him for for a lot. So he hired me for Aaliyah and Genuine. Now, Johnny was an MD around town. He played around town. They played with boys and men. Um, you know, they was like our mm-hmm. OGs. And, they play, and he played around town a lot. I forget the name of the spot. But he had a band. And so he heard me playing around town with, yeah. a, with another band. And he said, yo, I want that guy. He said, I want that guy. He said, Brian, I want you, I want you to do this tour that I got coming up. It's a Lee and Genuine. Now, people, anyone who's listening, understand Aaliyah and Genuine at that time was new. And this is what I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. that I've been blessed to be on gigs that had a lot of exposure at that particular birth yeah. of that sound. Timberland was new. I, I remember Timberland coming on stage with Aaliyah. Timberland was on there. Yeah. Kate Capri was on there. All... I remember he had on this leather blue baseball <laughs> yep. shirt. I was like, Timbo. Okay. Right. <laughs> like, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't know who he was. But now that I think back to that, I'm like, that was one of the iconic producers of our times right there. Right. So, anyway, did you, did you know Johnny before he approached you about the tour? I knew Johnny kind of. Once again, he wasn't a church guy. So I, I was a church guy. So only time I saw him or he could see me was me playing around at clubs. In yeah. Philly. So if I didn't facilitate the clubs or the studios or the church or the R&B or the top 40, referring back to what I was saying earlier, I, I made more of a threshold for me to get that opportunity, mm-hmm. just being all the way around. So I knew of Johnny, but... I didn't know him like that. Yeah. You know, his, his guy was Freddie Holiday. Freddie Holiday was the drummer for Boys of Men. So that was their whole crew. Freddie Holiday, Stacy McGee, Johnny Crone. They had a whole crew. Yeah. He went out he went out on the limb to give me a chance. And I'm forever grateful. Fast forward, I'm playing the Keenan Ivory Wayne show with Genuine. And yeah. that platform to be able to play Timberland's beats. Yep. At that time of the, of the birth of it, on a major show, mm-hmm. launched launch me to Usher. Wow. Yeah. So I, as you can see, for me, I think about it as connections. Yeah. Connect, connections. Connections. Which puzzles me with people today. And some millennials, not all millennials, some don't think about the connection part of yep. it. Because you're talented... Some of these guys are playing stuff now, bro. I just be like, all right, I'm about to, okay, <laughs> I'm about to quit. Like, yeah. what is that? That's amazing. And, and then nothing. Mm. All right, so I know 
that their passion wants something, but your connections and how you connect with people and just being a good person and doing your job. Anyway, that yeah. is how it launched me, Aaliyah to January to Usher. After Usher, I heard about an audition for Christina Aguilera. She was a new artist, once again, at the birth of something. She was a new artist coming out. And she had only done a European tour, which Teddy Campbell had done. Hmm. So after the European tour, she had open auditions. I flew to L.A., stayed at my boy Mike Brown's place, right, in a small apartment. Yep. Stayed there for, uh, I said, Mike, let me crash with you. I got a buddy pass. This was back when they had buddy pass. <laughs> yeah. I got, yep. <laughs> I got a buddy to ask. Uh, I took my sticks and I went out there. 15 drummers. I walk in. I see some of LA's best drummers. So I'm mm, like, yeah. why did I fly here? But I wanted to go get it. I still live in Philly. I wanted to go get it. So I went down there, auditioned. We was able to hear what other drummers were playing while you were waiting outside. Yep. So that really gave me perspective. Plan of attack, shall yeah. I say? <laughs> yep. All right. It's so, good. Good not to go um, first that day. It's it's really it really is. <laughs> I'll be I'll be number fourteen. Yep. I'll, I'll be the last one. That. I'm the last one. Yeah. <laughs> I done heard it. Anyway, went in there, played blase blase. Got called back for a second day. Went in, got the gig. Me and Christina's relationship was about ten to twelve years deep as as a friend. Wow. Like I was there before the bands changed and after the bands changed. So, so this type of thing, once again, was the roadmap for me. I didn't get anything handed to me. Yeah. No, nobody came knocking down my door saying, "Yo, your chops is crazy, bro." Yeah. I, I had to go get it. So you're on tour with Christina Aguilera. And then yeah. w- once yeah. that kind of started coming to an end, what kind of came next? Like, where did that lead you next? I, now I have to look. Now I have to look back at the list because <laughs> there were there were in between things, and I have a yeah. resume with all of the years and stuff um, that yep. I did, whatever. So there were in between things. There were Patty Labelle's. There were CC Penistons. Mm-hmm. There was Eric Benet. I have a long lasting relationship with Eric Benet. We still cool to this day. But um, a lot of in between the Philadelphia art shows, the yeah. the Penn's Landing Jazz Fest, George Howard. I had a chance. Little John put me on to start playing with George Howard. Then I went and played with Goody Mob. I went to Atlanta. I played some. Wow. So there was there was a lot of artists in between, but major tours. I think the next thing was. There was a Christina Aguilera tour, mm-hmm. and then I think there was a Janet, and then I think it was a back tour, Christina, and then because my my career folds like that, yeah. it looks like I'm going a lot, but I'm really just on residual artists, yeah, and residual mu- musical directors. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So. And so on and so on. And here we are. Thank so, God. Yeah, and then you get to... So with... I think the first time that I that I personally ever heard of you uh, was on the 2020 tour you guys came to Oklahoma City. And I'm like a massive Justin Timberlake fan. Like massive. Yeah, I think that's true. And so we end up driving, because I'm from Tulsa, me and a couple of friends, uh-huh. we drive into Oklahoma City. We're at the Chesapeake. And you guys end up 
coming on and and crazy thing because this was like the first even interaction I, that was whenever like twitter you know was like massive like back then right <laughs> and right, so right, i tweeted right. i tweeted you and i was like hey your drum sounded amazing loved it you know because in my mind i'm like the drummer never really like of course justin timberlake's getting like blown up all the time on social and i was like oh, i'm just gonna reach out to the drummer to see what happens you know what i mean hey you're a cool right. man and then you end up tweeting me back and i was like i'm famous now i'm residually famous <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm that's me oh, now, Lord. you know. <laughs> but how so the Justin Timberlake tour was the was the first time I was like, who is this guy? You know, got you, got you. What was uh-huh. it like kind of getting on for uh, the 2020 world tour? Like kind of leading up to that, because I know you're like Christina, Janet, back over to Christina. You got a bunch of stuff going on right. but for like, I mean, right. that's like a big tour. Right, right. So most people don't know that, and that's a great question. So most people don't know that before the 2020, I, I toured in Australia with Justin Timberlake. And this was, mm. this was, yeah, so this was the time where he did, remember Christina Aguilera and Justin Timberlake did a tour together. It was called yeah. Justified Strength. Yeah. I was, I was playing with Christina Aguilera and Sis. Uh, from Fishbone was playing with Justin Timberlake, hmm. right? Because we, okay. we was out on the same tour for Justify the Strip. So I knew Kevin Antunes, which was the musical director, uh, who was musical director for Madonna. So just to, once again, anybody listening, I'm going to connect the dots for you here to my next thing. Yep. You know what I mean? So Kevin knew me. He knew that I was on the road with, uh, with Christina, and he knew I did other work. So we became cool. And yeah. All during this tour with Just- Christina and Justin, I was, bro, I, Fishbone, Fishbone, okay, just back one <laughs> second. Yep. Bitty Mob opened for Fishbone on a tour way back, okay? <laughs> like, yeah. So I got to be with Fish. So seeing Fish on Justin and be able to hang with him every day, I was, I was like a, a fan, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Yo, do you know who you are? Like, you're, you're <laughs> fish, bro. Like, shout out to Fish, man. Like, because he's, I learned a lot from him, bro. Just, anyway. So, okay. So, that tour ends. So, uh, Christina Aguilera was rehearsing for a big band tour. We did, we remixed all the songs, like, Come On Over That's to, dope. like, Big Band Swing. It was really, really dope. I wish I had it went out. And that, and so Justin was rehearsing at center staging uh, for his Australian run of the Justified tour. So it just finished. Yeah. So he's going to Australia. We're in uh, center staging rehearsing with Christina Aguilera for the supposed big band tour. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're all there. So um, they come into our room and they cancel the tour. First time I ever felt this. They're like, oh, sorry, Ooh. the tour's not going on. Blase, blase, management will get in contact with you. I was like, damn, that's what that feels like. I feel like somebody just ripped my heart out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I walked outside. Kevin Antunes was outside. This is a true story. Kevin Antunes is outside. And I I guess I have a sad look on my face because he says, <laughs> hey, you, you good? What's wrong? I was like, man, they just canceled the tour. <laughs> yeah. He was like, really? I said, yeah. I said, that's crazy. He was like, you want to come do Australia with Justin? <laughs> and I said, are you kidding me? He said, no, nah, because Fish, Fish was going to uh, go back and do some work with Fishball. 
So I was like, yeah, literally, I tell you the truth exactly how I had them, bro. I went into rehearsal, grabbed my bags, grabbed my cymbals, <laughs> walked out of one center stage room. And right into the next into one. The next one. <laughs> yep, and started learning, learning the song. So fast forward. Madonna's MD, Madonna changes board, changes musical directors. She gets Kevin Antunes. Kevin Antunes knew that I could trigger drums. It was a heavy trigger situation. You know, yeah. he, he knew that I played with Janet. If anybody plays drums with Janet, you have to you have to trigger. That's just yep. an unwritten rule. Uh, so, so that connection once again, the connection once again, being being a you know good person and being professional and people it'll connect the dots wow so then with kevin so then so play you play with jt in australia and Mm -hmm. so he already knew you whenever he was putting together 2020 well the thing was 2020 musical directors changed kevin used to be the musical director for justin timberlake for for Mm -hmm. a minute for a long time and so now Adam was a uh, musical director now and Justin was familiar with me. Yeah. Because of the Australian. So Kevin, he wasn't there, but just the artist relationship, Justin, he used to come up on the drums all yeah, the time, like awesome. and play. He could play. He could play yep. too. So he would come up and play. And so thank God for whatever reason, you know, my, th- this is when you say, well, people say, well, how much hard work do you need? Or how much determination? It's a pot of gumbo. Because yeah. whatever happened, whatever gumbo that, that transpired between me and Justin, it put something in him to, to consider me for the 2020, which yeah. I appreciate. And so, you, and that's how you met Adam on that tour? No, no I, I've known, me and Adam, we, we back in Philly. Oh, Adam's Adam from Philly like, too? Adam's from Jersey. So the music scene on Philly and Jersey is the same thing. Okay. Right? So me and Adam, we've always known. This is an interesting thing about Adam. We've always known each other for a long time. But hadn't really been working together maybe for about the last 10 years. Yeah. Right? So we we caught up later in our careers, connected up, and I do everything with him. BET Awards, VH1 Awards. Obama White House Special, Soul Train Awards, TV Land Awards, Grammy, whatever it is, we do. And and he has other drummers, too, which which is kind of like our circle of Mike Reed, Mm -hmm. Chris Johnson, you know what I mean? So it's like a a good unit, but I know Adam for a while. And so that 2020 tour takes you where? Where After after 2020 was over, what was kind of... What was kind of in your after headspace 20, there? After 2020 was an immediate Madonna. Yep. Yeah. Madonna and Justin Timberlake back and forth. I think it was a, a Janet Madonna, Justin Madonna, Justin Madonna, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was an immediate tour into Rebel Heart. Am I saying that? No. Rebel Heart was before Justin. Some kind of I have it written down, yeah, but some kind of way. <laughs> yeah, like that. That's how it did it. And then you got the call from Man of the Woods. Yes, and so we got a call back from Man of the Woods, and Man of the Woods was 
no, wait a minute. 2020 included a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So 2020 included a Super Bowl. We were rehearsing for tour and Super Bowl at the same time. Yeah. Two, two different. Actually, <laughs> to be quite honest, three different shows because we had this show in London. Uh, this promo show in London that we had to do. So we were rehearsing for three different shows in those rehearsals. How long does it usually take? Like, how long are rehearsals usually for, like, a tour, like, before you actually go out? Um, some some people, like Justin, he might, if I'm not mistaken, maybe, like, a two-month mm-hmm. type of thing. And that's, like, Madonna every day? All, um, it, it depends. You know, once you get in the mix... You know, uh, production might need the stage for a couple of days. So, you know, uh, they're usually really good about at least, you know, weekends. It's not Saturday or Sunday, but at least Sunday off. Yep. Um, So, yeah, it's it's a grind because things are changing. Creative people are creating, you know, let's try this all here. What if we change this? And my job is to interpret that to the best of my ability what would you say is kind of like the lowest point for you? Like personally, like when, when would the you lowest, say like, kind of like I was at like the most rock bottom that you'd been? Oh yeah. So like I said, there's gaps in my, in my resume mm-hmm. and there are times where, um, I was broke, bro. Like, hmm. like the time I just moved to Los Angeles, I just moved to Los Angeles, moved downtown it was expensive as I don't know what, you know, and yeah. and so there was no work for a while. And there, I remember times of going to the ATM. You know how the ATM machines, they have ATM machines that are current enough online to tell you you can't yeah. get any more money out, yeah. right? But then there are some that don't, that, that, you know what I mean? And I remember remembering all of the ATM machines oh. that, did, <laughs> Whoa. that didn't. And and my girlfriend, my wife now, but my, my she was my girlfriend at the time cooking gumbo for me and and, and it was it was bad, man. It was it was bad, you know? Mm-hmm. So I've I've experienced a lot of times like that not working. I've experienced probably one of the lowest times when I was on a high profile gig and my life was still low. Tell me about like, that. You know, so Madonna, uh, she's going to Super Bowl and then she's going on tour. I, I forget the name of that tour, but whatever tour we did from when she did the Super Bowl. During that whole time, it was my girlfriend then, and we had been together a long time. I was thinking about marrying her with Brandy, and she, and we broke up. It was my fault. It was stupid. Uh, but we broke yeah. up, and I'm at the highest point. This is my first Super Bowl, my first tour. No, it was my first, my second tour with Madonna. All right, I was making good money. Yeah. About to do the Super Bowl, about to do a nine month tour, and I, I honestly felt like I wanted to kill myself. Bro. Man, I did, I, and that's when it hit me. Like, it's just all life, man. We're mm-hmm. not superheroes. Yeah, anyone that does this and that, they're not. Just because I play for Madonna doesn't mean it eliminates me from the trials of regular life. Yeah, man. You know what I mean. So, like and, uh, so, that that whole thing did that that went down like before the Super Bowl performance. That went down as we was in rehearsals for the Super Bowl performance, to be exact. <laughs> At the time when you need your most positive energy, yeah. around you, and I was just in rehearsal like a zombie. 
That, yeah. I remember I remember the photos. So I don't know if you remember, I, I was playing drum craft drums at that time. It was a, a clear okay. drum set, this new company in Germany. So I remember doing a photo shoot. You can look this up. There's a <laughs> yep. photo of me that uh, with the drum set. The drum set is lit up. It's clear. I have on a white T-shirt with a black vest. It's a very popular photo, like their promo photo mm-hmm. for them. And I just came in from crying all night long, bro. I was drinking all night long. I was so depressed because me, me and my girl wasn't together. Yeah. And it was this photo shoot. And it's like, I came in there like... <laughs> well, I, I was terrible. I just got it pulled bro, up. I just got it pulled up. I'm looking at it you right see now. It? Yeah. You, you see got your arms resting on jeans. the symbols. Yes. Those jeans, they're not my jeans because I had sweatpants on. It was dirty. Those are Chris, my drum tech jeans. That's his vest. I'd never wear a vest like that. That's his vest. And that was my white T-shirt turned inside out because I was a mess of it. So my point of the whole story is, like, just true happiness in life, whether you have a gig or whether you don't have a gig, I believe it comes from somewhere outside of this music business. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, and I don't want people to get lost in the music business accomplishments are amazing, but your family, your loved ones, your, your cousins, your nephews, your children, everybody is, that's the most important thing. So I just remember that. Actually, I'm about to sell that drum set. <laughs> this is just bad. This is bad. Energy. I don't even want it. You, like, you just, it's like every time you look at it, you're like, Nope. <laughs> yeah. It's like a dark cloud over it. It's like, my jeez. It's a good, yeah. good slogan for craftsman drums. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I guess in that, because there are probably people that are listening to this that that are kind of in that similar, they're depressed or something's going on with life. So what what kind of what pulled you out of that? Like 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 what kind of made you come around and and. Because you said it's all about finding the happiness outside of the craft, and it's about you know yeah. being more stable. Like when when did you kind of like what made you realize that? Like because usually whenever people are in depression, uh, everything's just cloudy. You know what I'm saying? Like what kind yeah. of what kind yeah. of like lifted you out of that? What lifted me out of that is the one thing at that particular time that I could find joy, and that that was me me playing. Yeah. You know, everything was dark. It didn't matter how much money I was making. I made good money on Madonna. It didn't matter. None of that matter. I'm about to do the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. So what? Just want to go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but, hey, and and I hate to be spiritual again, but it's just my background. Mm-hmm. No offense. God, God blessed me with this. This ain't mine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He blessed me, and like just like he blesses everyone else, with something. So... My my piece of advice for anyone who's feeling depressed, feel stagnant, stuck, or whatever, you know, just go to your first love, whatever that may be that's uplifting and, and encouraging and puts you in that open space. You, you can find peace in that, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's good. So kind of next thing about life, um, for you personally along your journey, what's what what's like the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Like maybe by a drummer or like a family member. Like what's something that stands out to you, like throughout your life as like somebody really poured into you? So many things, probably from so many people. Um, 
the you, you don't get paid by the amount of notes you play. Yep. Um, that one is a is a common one, but if you really pay attention to that and look at it, you got people like Abraham Laboreal Jr. who's making guys. <laughs> 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 uh, you, you know what I'm saying? When you really, really look at and this, and, and I'm only speaking in the vein of a hired. Help. Yep. Right. Uh, all right. Now, if you're an artist and, and whatever, you, whatever, you do, but I'm only speaking in the land of hired help. You want to perform for someone, for something, film, commercial, artist, what studio, whatever it may be. You know, that's that's just what it is. You're interpreting someone else's vision. Yeah. So that that one was a big one. Uh, uh, on time is not on time. Yep. <laughs> for, for drummers, especially because we have the most stuff. <laughs> yep. That's exactly so right. So on time is not on time. Uh, re- rehearse before rehearsals. Yep. Prepare. And if you really look at it in just a global sense, if you look at all of these things in a global sense, not so particular to rehearsing, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. just look at it like being prepared. Just being prepared. I'm about to go wash the clothes. Okay, I got all the coins that I need. I got the, the wash, dishwashing mm-hmm. liquid. I got the dryer sheets. <laughs> all right, I'm prepared. Yep. It just makes life easier. I'm hungry. I want to eat something. Uh, I didn't go food shopping. I'm not prepared. Like it's, it's just being prepared and ready for. And and tr- th- this is not a phrase, but my OG told me this one time. He said, "You you get hired to go on tour. Right? Your show. Let's just say your show yep. is two hours a day." All right, two hours a day. Mm-hmm. You got twenty-two hours left. What you gonna do with it? That's good. So that launched clinics, BFM World, quotes, books. Yeah. It launched everything for me because I, if I'm gonna be a higher help, I'm, I'm gonna try to make a le- legacy out of this position, yeah. like my OG Ricky Lawson. Rest, God may he rest in heaven. He was to me. He's one of the best that ever did it, hands down. For a hired guy, a right. guy that wants to be the call. Like like when people think of music, they say, hey, Rick, what about Ricky Lawson? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah about exactly. Ricky Lawson? What about Ricky Lawson? Like everybody. And that kind of goes in tune with my upbringing in Philadelphia. Like I need everybody in the city to have some type of interaction yeah. with me. You know what I mean? So that's that's what I aspire. Honestly, me and my wife talk about it. I, I aspire to be like somebody like that because I'm I'm not really an artist drummer. You know, and that's just my particular lane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm digging into that with my home studio, and I'm recording songs for a possible record. But that's something I'm that's, I consider this later in my career. Yeah, you know that that's that wasn't really me, and I, I want to branch out, but. As far as what pays the bills and 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 the legacy I can keep. And here's my last thing I'm gonna say: Dr- musicians and drummers. Just a piece of social media advice. Just off the, it just it just hit me. Okay. So you play with Justin Timberlake. Now you 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 got you got seven thousand followers. You got ten thousand followers. You got twenty thousand followers. Mm-hmm. And I, and you play with an artist like Justin Timberlake. Who has 50 million, 60 million followers, yeah. right? <laughs> yep. 
the goal is fulfilling your job to that artist and that musical director. Mm-hmm. Your goal as an individual to set up your own clinics with the biggest platform that you could possibly have mm-hmm. being connected to the world. You can call a school and say, hey, I'm in town. I just want to come talk to the kids about my experiences. Hmm. I, 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 I want to set up lessons. I want to do lessons for such and such and such. I want to help the community. I want to do... You are an entity, musicians. You're not just a slave to whatever gig that is. You know, and I want people to know that, like, you're, you're way more than a musician. So, yeah, goes back to the that. goes back to the. You still have 22 hours in a day. Yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? I ran myself crazy on that 2020 tour, bro. I did, <laughs> we was overseas for like 12 weeks. Yep. I think I did 10 weeks. 10 weeks out of the 12, I was doing something at least two to three times a week. Ooh. Other than playing, uh, other other than playing the show, yes. So I see on social media you're putting out these sayings and stuff, but like for you personally, do you have like a life saying or a mission statement or like a motto for yourself? Kind of like the big thing that kind of keeps you going? I don't have a saying, but it's a mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, the mentality for me is I, I can see I can see through the tunnel, right? Mm-hmm. I can see through the tunnel and see that there's sunshine. There's sunshine at the end of this tunnel. I just got to get through this tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just got to get through the tunnel. If I turn around, I'm never going to get through the tunnel. I got to get through this tunnel. I owe my family to get through the tunnel. I owe myself. I owe the people that love me and believe in me. Yeah. I owe the people that, that are inspired by me. I own the people that... I. The blood is on your hands. When you decide to be that public public person of any type of encouragement or discouragement, mm-hmm. the the blood is on your hands. Yeah, it's a big responsibility. So I just want to be the best that I can be. Basically, if I had to put it in the slogan, I just want to be the best I could be, and That's don't good. stop. <laughs> and don't stop. <laughs> and don't stop. Uh, I guess on the line with that, and we maybe talking a little bit back to maybe some of the depression stuff with just maybe not even musicians, but people. What do you think? Because you've with your clinics and with the BFM consulting thing, you've come into contact with like a lot of guys, a lot of players. Uh, What are some of the common like mentalities that you see in people that like holds them back from like doing what they want to do? Honestly, the number one thing that pops in my head from hearing yesterday is them holding themselves back mm-hmm. in some kind of way. Um, and, nah, I can't do that. Or, nah, this not possible. Or, oh, no, nah, that's too much for me. And to, to be quite honest, and if you want to be in this industry, you can't have a hint of that. So just lack of confidence that's, in themselves? What? Who does, that you can't have. You, yeah. It doesn't work. The chemistries don't work. The most confident music machine that you want to be involved in, dance, singing, vocal, performance, theater, no matter what, it, athletes, though, it doesn't, it does not matter in the whole entertainment industry. You have, you have to know who you are. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be endless. And, and, and if, if you don't know something, just go find it out. Yeah. Come right, come right back. <laughs> yep. 
go figure go figure it out and come right back. So honestly, that to me is the biggest thing I hear. The other thing I hear is the interpretation of music. The emotion that you have to have. And I don't want to give away all my thing because people can always yeah, come right. in and, and schedule a consultation. But I'll tell you this to make you want to schedule. There is a blueprint for this thing. I didn't make the blueprint. Okay, let me clear that up. I did not make it. I learned it. I learned it from my OGs. I learned it from experience. I learned it from life. I learned it from my wife. I learned it from my children. I learned it from I learned from everything. Okay, there is a blueprint for you to do this thing. All right, so mm-hmm. if you if you really want to do it and really have the opportunity to want to do it, why not call somebody who understands how to do it? Yep. Now, I am not God. Okay, right. I am not God. <laughs> I am not saying it, but this is my twenty seventh year of working with the same type of mentality. Not. Not bragging, 27 yep. years, yeah, I've been rocking. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> what I'm saying is 27 years of doing the same thing. If I'm a trash man and I and I work in the machinery of recycling trash for 27 mm-hmm. years, I know it. Yeah. If I'm a nurse, if I'm a lawyer, if I'm a school teacher, if I'm a drug dealer, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Whatever it is for 27 years, you know mm-hmm. what to look for, you know what to do, you know what people like, you know what people don't like, you know what you, you, you just know. And that's what I offer for my consultations. Mm-hmm. And it takes the blinders, it takes the blinders off of people and, and they start to see the perspective for as wide as it is. And that in itself, along with their passion and their drive, now we talking. Yep. And I can echo that because I had a call with you in October or November of last year. And a lot, mm-hmm. like a big reason why I've even doing this podcast, a big reason of why I've even started taking social media seriously in 2020, like that was the catalyst. And we've talked about that a little bit even in the past. Right. But so yeah. just to echo on to that, that's, yeah, yes. You, you that's like, all you need. Now, yeah, yep. Now look at you. You like, hey, Brian, come do this podcast, yep. bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, now I guess on to like being a like like being a pro musician. So I guess how would somebody even know if they're even good enough to be like a like a professional in the industry? Okay. You want the honest answer or you want the cliche answer? Ooh, give me that. You know you know what we're here for, Brian. All right. Okay. Listen, if you don't believe it, nobody's gonna believe. You think Timberland knew he was good enough to be Timberland? You think Denzel Washington knew he was good enough to beat them? It's the, people leave out the evolution of it. You yeah. just got you just got to believe enough to get in the door and convince some people, and, and and show them what, what they what they working with. That's it. So once again, blinders off. Oh, am I good enough to do a Justin Timberlake? Yeah, I can't answer that. Are yep. you good enough to do a Justin Timberlake? Are you ready? to do are you ready to find out what you didn't know and adapt <laughs> yeah uh, are you ready to have curveballs thrown at you and have to throw them back you're never going to know everything yeah. that you're going to encounter so you can never say am i good enough but am i good enough? am i convinced enough in myself and and now here's here's the subcategories of convince yourself drummers do I have good timing? 
can I play with a click track? Can I play with a click track? Brian, I want to work. Can I play with a click track? Man, why people don't call me for Can I play with a click track? 99.9% of the work out here that you're going to want to do or aspire to do has a click track for music, for video, for lights, for a pyro. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's called Synthy. So before I get too far, good timing. Yeah. Do you have good time? Okay. Now, can you become... What the what what that beat is? Can you become what that beat is? Can you become the sound texture of what that beat is? Can you become the spirit and energy of what that beat is? Okay, there you go. Now, can, okay, these are the things to me that dictate whether you're ready or not. Yeah, that's good. You know what I'm saying? So, if you're thinking that you're not ready or you haven't doubts that you're not ready, just go back and cover some more areas of what you aspire to work in. Yeah, that's good. Everything that that, that has to deal with. And that, that feeling will start going away. It'll start going from, am I ready to, yo, I am ready. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's my advice. Yeah. So I guess kind of demystifying like being a professional musician, what does a typical day like out on tour look like, like for you, like in your experience? And I know it might be different per tour, but kind of in general. Okay. Um, They've been pretty much running regularly. Um, So I would say, let's say, uh, okay, I have a show in Los Angeles tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, I would wake up in the morning. For me personally, I would eat breakfast, call my wife. Eat breakfast, have some downtime, listen to some music, check out the hotel around like a 12 noon or one, 1 in the afternoon for sound check. Check out the hotel, go over to the venue, sound check around like 3, um, get that done with. Then I have downtime, which we listen to music in the dressing rooms or whatever, whatever we decide to mm-hmm. do during that time. Maybe some people talking to their family or whatever it may be. And then we do the show. Uh, we do the show two hours after the show. We change our clothes. We get on the bus. We drive to the next city. That that's the reason we check out in the afternoon because after the show, we're yeah. driving to get to the next city. Which which we can have a day off, two days off, three days off, whatever it may be. And, and that's whenever you were doing your again. clinics and all your stuff in the little days off. Yes, exactly. So right. makes sense. I would get. I would. Yeah, I would get the uh, the routing of the tour, and then I would call and schedule my in-betweens according to the routing. That's so smart. What do you think the hardest part for you is about kind of being a working musician? Like what's the thing that people don't know or that they don't take into account like before they get on the road or start doing stuff like that? Um, that, that I'm human and not, not that people are thinking I'm superheroes, but for some weird reason, when, when you say, Oh, he's played for this person, he's played for that person. People think, well, shit, he, he probably never had to do this. Yeah. Or, or, or he probably don't have to go do that. Oh, you you flying first class all the time, yeah. huh, B? <laughs> no, no. Actually, my status, my own personal status with the airlines secures me uh, extra leg room. But no, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, or, you, or you ain't never had to go through people trying to do this or people trying to cut you or people trying to not give you money or people trying to... That's the biggest misconception. And there's a popular song I said, there's levels to this thing. So 
it, the machinery doesn't change. You know, I'm sure Jay-Z feels a certain way to the NFL. The NFL feels I felt Timberland feels a certain way to Warner Brothers Pictures. I yeah. don't know. Maybe the, the same things happen. But, no, that's the biggest misconception is that I don't go through the same thing that other people go through. And, the, and that's personal. Playing-wise, the biggest misconception people have is they, they define what type of player I am by my work. Mm, yeah. No, so that's, a, that's another one. Oh, he's a great pop drummer. And that's why my album, to those who are listening, my album is going to mess you up. Because <laughs> you awesome. never <laughs> saw this type of stuff. Come, I am strategically doing a different style of music, genre of music, each song. On, on my record Ooh. so people yeah so they can wrap their head around who i am that's awesome and, and not who i work for so this is this might be uh more of a funny one so what's the weirdest or most random thing that you've seen like while you've been playing a show like what's kind of like the thing that you know what i'm saying <laughs> wow is this pg-13 uh <laughs> sure <laughs> well okay I, I won't make it bad i've seen People use the bathroom in the audience. Oh my gosh! Like one time, or Number, has this happened multiple times? Throughout twenty-seven <laughs> years, I, th- I think I've <laughs> seen it quite a bit. Like people just get super drunk and just number one or extreme circumstances, a possible number two. Um, How do you so- handle what, what's your what's your mindset? So you're playing, you're just you're jamming, you're kind of you know. Because I've been, you know, wherever I'm playing, you kind of get in this zone. You're kind of looking at the crowd. You kind of know the the music in and out, and then you just you see this happening in front of you. What do you right. do? What do you do? <laughs> I mean, you can't well, you can't stop playing, but like, <laughs> no, no, I can't stop playing. <laughs> Depending on what I'm playing, I might uh, reach over and talk into my talk back and be like, "Hey, do y'all see this <laughs> right ha- happening right here?" That's the great thing about uh, having a talk back, just to 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 the musicians is we get to share in these experiences like, bro, did I just see what I thought I saw? (laughs) (laughs) So it's, you know, you just keep going and the human side, as you says, yo, that's out of control. But the professional side is like, okay, the next song is coming up. Pay attention. (laughs) Uh, Security. Can you please get that person? Yeah, exactly. So practice is obviously like a big deal. Um, so I guess what's something right now, even at your level, that you're you're practicing, that you're trying to improve in yourself, and even at that, how do you how do you become self aware enough to even like know what you should be practicing? Yeah, totally. That's a great question. I mean, personally, just just on the education side right now, um, and I'm I'm much better at it uh, now than I was. But reading charts, mm-hmm. that is something that is always going to be for me like i got the practice books at home and i'm just really want to sharpen up and be able to sight read like when i work with ricky minor those guys you know, <laughs> oh my god they they read like like yeah. a sunday paper yep like one time takes you know what i mean yeah. two four bars yep you know what i'm saying it's like stuff you can't hide from so i, I want to uh, be fluent uh, more fluent with that, and then uh, I think for me, just as a hired hired guy, 
Um, my job security is in performing with people, whether it's on stage or mm-hmm. uh, movies or recordings, whatever. So I have to stay fluent to music, period. There's an exercise that I do myself um, through my iTunes. I put it on songs and I just give it one swipe. And wherever it lands you on that have to song, I have to play it. I have to internalize it. My drum sounds have to be close to it. I have to feel the spirit of what he. If, if it's like uh, "Rock with You" by Michael Jackson, I have to. I have to be. I have to become that spirit. I'm dissecting every part of it, you know. So this is good practice for mm-hmm. me. So that if Adam calls me and says, "Yo, we got 20 songs for this," or Ricky calls me and says, "Yo," it's, and it could be anything. It could be "Fly Me to the Moon" by Frank Sinatra. Yeah. That's it could good. be anything. So th- what, those are things I'm always striving. What percentage would you say, like, because I think a lot of musicians, like, unless they're formally trained, I feel like a lot of musicians struggle with reading, but they probably think, like, oh, if I'm out with my band or if I'm on tour, like, I don't have to read, you know? What what percent? Oh, yeah. What percentage of, like, the gigs that you take require, like, a high level of reading? Well, I'll put it like this. On, on tours, um, it's a low percentage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a low percentage, but you know, once again, we around here we thinking global. I need to be everywhere. I need to have Lincoln call me for a commercial. I need yeah. to have television. So now, television shows it's a must. Yeah, you you, you have to know how to do it. And, and Ricky Minor does it a lot. Yep. Adam does it a lot. And and what that does is it cuts down on rehearsal time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yep. this is what we play. We'll play it a couple times just to get comfortable. But as far as learning, when do we cut off? How long is the song and all of that? Yeah. You, you got to read it down. So I would say to those who are aspiring to um, branch out, other than maybe just their own band or or just touring, you know, they want to do other things, film or television, things like that. It's something you should definitely um, so just just practice or you know just just every once in a while just you don't throw yourself into shock you get called into a situation mm-hmm. and they're like all right well here's the chart I, <laughs> yeah. I remember we had to we had to do the pre-records with uh with ricky minor for the oscars i think it was la- uh, last year and so he's the musical director anyone knows ricky minor knows that he's he's no joke okay <laughs> yeah so so he comes in and he says, all right, this is bumper, bumper number 10 or something. And at the top of the page, it says Samba uh, has a quarter note equal uh, 127, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's like, it's like, all right, Brian, wait, give it to us. What is it? So <laughs> this is a whole nother world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. To be, there, there's no reference track to listen to what I don't know what this song is about to sound like until I hit bar one. I just know I need to be at one twenty seven and I need to be a samba feel. Yeah. That's all I know. Wow. So it's it's very important that, that people get familiar. You don't you don't have to be the best, but at least just get familiar that if if you see something like that you're not like, hey, you don't you don't have a reference track? It's yeah. like reference track. <laughs> and then everybody <laughs> looks looks at, looks back at the drummer like, what are you doing, man? Right. Uh oh, we picked the wrong person. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's 
it, it depends on your situation and, and, and what you're trying to do that it becomes necessary or not. Mm-hmm. So nobody can predict the future or anything, but other than your record, like what kind of big ideas or like plans or big moves are you planning on making like in 2020? So in 2020, I have my signature snare drum out. Yes. Right? yes. So I came out, with, came out with this drum, and I'm super excited about the drum. The last drum I put out was a Tamar, was with Tamar signature snare. It did really good after the fact. Like after the fact, it was gone. Yep. It became popular. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where was everybody? Collectors. It's, anyway. it's a collectible now because it's not exactly. out. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so people have been asking. I'm going to put a snare drum out. I wanted to put a signature product out with Pearl, my current company. Mm-hmm. And so now we got the snare. It sounds good. It looks good. And I'm not only happy about the outcome of the snare, but I'm happy to have, have uh, spun a distributor's deal with Pearl. So I'm yeah. selling them so, Wow. Yeah. So I'm super excited about that. That's that's a huge thing for me. I'm, I'm looking to do the same thing with Vader for my Super Bowl sticks. Just a distributor's oh, deal, awesome. a limited edition and that's just on the products mm-hmm. and for bfm world um speaking at schools doing like clint pulver is like amazing at doing this and greg Bisonette and all of these guys they, they go and speak to these colleges and they talk about their experiences as it equates to music and the necessities you, you need in life so i'm diving more into that more clinics to come the record coming out and a documentary that I've been working on for almost a year. Ooh. Yeah, about my upbringing and everything, just so people can get an idea of... The, the name of the documentary, documentary is called Briz. And, and the world, there's a small percentage of the world that knows me as Briz. It's, only way you know that Briz is if you grew up in Philadelphia at a certain time. Yeah. And so that's the whole for the documentary is you, you might even think you know Brian Fraser more but you have no idea who Briz is who, has, wow. who is getting That's locked good. up for child support you know what I'm saying and, and things that people just don't know like it's, it's gonna be good oh, wow yeah. so those are the things so far I got a couple possibilities for tours I got a couple possibilities for some some big films that are that looks like and it's about it's about to go through. So I'm headed. I'm trying to head in that direction where tours are just something else that that I do. Yeah, instead of it being the main thing. Yeah, yeah. Man, so I guess last question. I'll let you go. So after everything okay. we've talked about, what two or three things would you want the musicians listening to this to go and start doing like right now? Like if you could like have a magic wand and be like, do these things. This is what's going to lead you to where you want to be in life, what would you say? Number one, start loving each other. If I can wave my magic wand and get musicians to start loving and supporting each other, and not that all of them don't, but us musicians, we we, we know what I'm talking about. Yeah, there's a competition in a weird kind of way. Yes, and just realize we're all, we're not the enemy. Mm. no disrespect to my manager, A&R, artist, friends, or nothing, but we're not the enemy. The challenge comes in trying to prove yourself to those people. Yeah. So musicians, we're not the enemies. We're actually together. We band together. We can we can break walls down. Mm. You know that's good. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's number one pops in my head. Number two is 
prepare for what you want. If you want the sky, you want beyond the moon, you want the stars, then start thinking like the moon, the stars. But yeah. please, talent, I respect it. I respect the, the homies that's on Instagram playing amazing things. I love it. I respect that some of it's my favorite. Mm-hmm. But when you get around to them, bills start piling up on you, and you're looking at the one thing that you have that you can make money on, book a consultation. Like, I got yeah. you. But talent is not just going to do it. Ta- ta- like, I heard this one guy say, but man, I can he was arguing with a manager. He's like, man, but I'm killing your show. He's like, I'm killing you. ain't never had a drummer like this. He's like, it's okay. We'll get another. Yeah. You see, so those are my things. If I could wave a magic wand, I would get us to love each other. And, and if I could wave a magic wand, I would get musicians to really start to dig into their own selves to make every area of them undeniable. If that makes sense. It makes 100% sense. Man, well, Brian, thank you so much for being on. If you want to get in touch with Brian, you can go to his website, bfmworld.com. Is that right? bfmworld.com? Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, it's easy to reach out to him on social media, bfm22, pretty much everywhere. And, uh, man, Brian, thanks so much for being on the show. Man, thank you for having me. It's a great thing. I was the first. I was the first. Yeah, you were the first. Uh, Yep, you were the first. (laughs) (laughs) All right, awesome. Thank you for having me, bro. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.